0: You guys, you know what's up. Um, apostolic, the word when mentioned conjures up some things in some people. It's a word we use, I said this last week, but it's a word we use to describe us and our faith, and it literally means relating to the apostles. And so, we as a church or an organization, we claim to be apostolic because we preach the same message that we find in the book of acts uh, which is also known as the book of the acts of the apostles and so that's where we get that from but we use the words to describe just about anything we do some people overuse it a bit but we refer to apostolic dress or speech or preaching and we say things like apostolic anointing in some places the word pentecostal and apostolic are used interchangeably but We'll talk about believing and preaching the apostolic doctrine and we'll say things like we're we're apostolic in doctrine and Pentecostal in experience and that's maybe the difference between the two but when we use the word apostolic we are often referring to being filled with the Holy Ghost, um, baptizing in Jesus name, worshiping exuberantly, praying fervently, dressing modestly, believing in the gifts of the Spirit and the operating of those gifts, seeing miracles and signs and wonders, living by faith and encountering Jesus in a very real um, way. And we, we claim to be just like the church in the book of Acts and how we live and what we preach and believe. And by claiming to be apostolic, we are attaching our identity to the apostles in the New Testament. And we don't um, preach from or about church fathers from post-biblical times. We draw our inspiration from the Bible itself and normally when we talk about being apostolic, we like people have the tendency to do, we hit the highlights. We want we want all the signs, we want the wonders, we want people to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and we lay hands on, them. we want to walk by people and they're be healed, like in the book of Acts, the shadow touched them and they were healed. We want those types of things to happen. But if we read the New Testament, um, if we read the in between these huge, incredible moments in the book of Acts, uh, moments of miracles and signs and wonders and all that, we will find some other attributes attached to the apostles. And we're calling these unsung apostolic attributes. And these attributes are not as glamorous as the things that we've already mentioned. But I firmly believe that if we embody these things, then the others will follow. And Paul Probably one of the most well-known of the apostles. In Acts 20, he's speaking to the leaders of the church in Ephesus. And he's bidding them farewell because he's on his way elsewhere. And that's what Paul did. Went to a place for a while, then he left and went elsewhere. And in his farewell speech, he says this. He says, when they were come to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day that I came into Asia... After what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you and have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a passage that A little few verses, four verses that we kind of maybe we skim over when we're reading because we're waiting to get to the next story, the next big event that happens, the next time a devil's cast out or a a storm or something happens, the next sort of exciting story. And when we slow down and look a little closer, we'll see that there are some attributes that Paul lists here that are kind of hidden in this passage. And Paul is describing his conduct or his behavior during his time with the Ephesian church. And if we're going to call ourselves apostolic, it would be good for us to look at these attributes that Paul mentions here and using the word of God like a mirror, see if it's reflected in our own lives. Last week we covered something in verse 18, talked about being faithful and consistent. And if you weren't here, then you probably should have been, that one was for you. (laughs) verse 19 we're going to look at today this is where we find the next part (laughs) he says serving the lord with all humility of mind first off if you missed last week paul was telling them he said i've been with you through all seasons i've been here you know it you've seen me you've You've worked with me. I've been here. You can look back over the past few years that I've been with you, and you can see that no matter what happened, I was there. I was there for the good times and the bad times. And from that, we get the principle of being faithful and consistent, which is the foundation to the rest of the series we're going to talk about. Because if we don't have that, we're not going to have anything else. Because it was through Paul's faithful example that the rest of these things followed. You cannot serve God without faithfulness. You cannot make it through all seasons without faithfulness. You do not endure to the end unless you're faithful. Well, it's true whether you agree or not. You don't make it anywhere without being faithful. So before we start trying to apply these other attributes, before we start looking for all these other things to happen and fall in the place, we need to start working on these things. We've got to be faithful I and mean, we've got to be consistent. In this parable about the servants and talents, the master said to his faithful servant or is the ones that did something. He said, um, well done, good and faithful servant that has been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So in order for us to be trusted with the big things. That we want to be trusted with. We've got to be faithful in the little things. We've got to be faithful in gathering and service and prayer and witnessing and studying the Word and in our actions and how we live our lives before He's going to trust us with something bigger. That's just how it works. You don't hire someone and make them in charge of everything right off the bat. Here, you're 15, you can run the business now. Good luck. You don't do that, that would be dumb. They prove themselves. And then you give them more responsibility. Then you give them, I don't, we don't have Felix running the house. He doesn't know what he's doing. We've got to teach him some things before. Yes. He's got to learn how to do other things before we, we, we don't leave him home alone. Because that would be crazy. He's got to learn. He's got to be faithful. He's got to be consistent in other things and grow. And it's the same with walking with God. We've got to be faithful. We've got to be consistent. And then he'll use us in other things. But we've got to be faithful where we're at first. That's how it works. And, and sometimes we can think, why isn't this opening for me? Why isn't that opening? Why isn't God doing this or that in my life? Why isn't he giving me this opportunity or that one when somebody else is seemingly getting all these things? And I guess we can ask ourselves, are we being faithful? Are we being consistent day in and day out? And so Paul says, you know that I've been there faithfully, from the beginning, I've been consistently there no matter what season we were in. And from that faithfulness and consistency flows the rest. And the next thing he says is, that, I was serving the Lord with all humility of mind. You cannot serve without humility. Now this is like everyone's favorite subject to talk about, this or sort of submission. <sighs> when you cannot serve without humility, that is literally part of serving, A proud person will not serve. Humility is something that Jesus taught over and over. It's something he lived. It's something the apostles taught over and over. And a quick search on the topic of humility in the Bible gets over 150 references. And I know sometimes I say we could be here all day. But literally we could be here all day and the next and the next and the next. Talking about all the different times the Bible tells us to be humble. It talks about humility. Psalms and Proverbs alone are filled with warnings about pride over and over. Jesus taught it, the apostles taught it. Meekness, humility, and serving. It's something we should know and it's something we should exemplify. It's something that should be evidenced in our lives, but yet it's something we'd rather not talk about or something we'd rather not address because it makes us uncomfortable. And once you think you've got it, you don't. I'm more humble than you are. Well, not anymore. Humility is the opposite of pride. And while most of us aren't going to come out and say, I'm proud, I mean, there is a certain group that will, but well, we're on top of that today. Most of us aren't going to... Anyways, the Bible says, The pride goes before the fall. It's going to end badly if that's how we're living. But pride reveals itself in our lives in different ways. It's not always the, hey, look at me. Let's have a parade or give me all the attention or everyone look at me and and what I do and say because my ideas and my opinions are better than yours. It's not always the flashy sort of pride that we have in our lives. Pride is sometimes quiet. And sneaky. It's found in the back rooms and the gossip used to cut others down to make ourselves look better. And the slander hurled towards someone to undermine them and to make us feel better about ourselves. It's found in our refusal, refusal to do something. I don't got to do that. I've done my time. Someone else can do that. I don't do that. That's not my ministry or my calling. A servant will just do it. A servant sees something needs done and they'll do it. No one's teaching Sunday school, I'll teach. No one's helping with this, I'll do it. No one's doing this, I'll, I'll step up and do it. That's what a servant does. It's found in our refusal to step out in faith, but we'll mask that with humility and that perhaps is the trickiest of all. We won't step out and pray for that person because, well, we tell ourselves, I don't want to bother them or cause a scene or whatever, but really we don't want to look foolish if it's not received. And what if nothing happens? What if I pray for them and they aren't healed? What if I lay my hands on them and they don't receive the Holy Ghost? What if nothing happens? What if they just stop responding as soon as I come over? We make it about us instead of leaving it in his hands like a servant would. It was humility that caused the sinner woman to anoint Jesus' feet and to wash them with her tears and dry them with her hair and even though if someone did something similar today no doubt she'd be accused of causing a scene and making it all about her but she put her everything out there she didn't care what anybody else thought sometimes we get it all twisted and pride looks a little bit differently than we think Pride will keep us glued to our seats and stops us from entering into worship like we should because I'm the only one, maybe. And it, it stops us from praying out loud, fervently and passionately like the Bible tells us to because someone might think we sound ridiculous. It stops us from following Jesus like we should. He said, I serve with all humility of mine. You cannot serve without humility. Humility has a brother. His name is meekness. And humility and meekness go together. Humility is our attitude toward ourselves, and meekness is our attitude towards others. To be meek means to be patient, mild, not inclined to anger or resentment. Meekness, we know, is part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's something we are expected to show and expected to have. And both of these apostolic attributes are both not something we think of right the bat, right off the bat, when we think of being apostolic. We all we need to be humble. We're like we need to be fiery. We need to preach and point our fingers and shake people until they receive the Holy Ghost. And we need to dress this way or dress that way or whatever. We need we got all these ideas, but this is what it really means. This is part of what it really means to be apostolic. We don't like to think about meekness, we don't like to think about humility, especially in our society, when our society is all about me, what I want. We've gone so far that we think we're oppressed or we're bullied if we don't get what we want and we can't do whatever we want to do when we want to do it. Everyone talks about self-care and we're focusing on ourselves, and we live in a selfish age. Meekness and humility are just something we don't think about anymore. But yet, in the Bible, that's what we're called to be like. Moses was an incredible leader, and he was also incredibly meek. Jesus describes himself as being meek and lowly. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 5 that the meek would inherit the earth. In fact, God wants us to show meekness to everyone. Titus 3 and 2 says, Speak evil of no man, to be not brawlers, but gentle, showing meekness unto all Men, It's something that all Christians should be producing. Not just the ladies, not just the men, not just the leaders or whoever. It's something that we should be showing to everyone. That's how Jesus chose to show himself to the world. He could have been anything. And he chose to be meek. That's who we should be striving to be like. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 10 and 1, we should be meek when we approach each other. James 1 and 21, we should receive the word with meekness. Galatians 6 and 1, we should restore a fallen brother with meekness. James 3 and 13, we should show wisdom and meekness. And 1 Peter 3 and 4, when we adorn our lives, we should present ourselves to the world um, with meekness. This is going to take some effort. We're going to have to work on this one because for the most part, it takes effort to be Humble. I know we don't think it does. We think we're humble. But if you're thinking you are, then maybe you aren't. (sighs) In order to show meekness, humility needs to be at work. These need to work together. Sometimes we can get a big head and be full of ourselves and think the only opinion that matters is mine. I know none of you. It's just me. Sometimes we can think like that. And it takes self-control and restraint. Paul says, Paul says, Humility of the mind. It's a, it's a mindset. It's something that starts on the inside. I need to temper my actions and reactions to others and their perceived offenses and slights against me. If we're going to serve, we're going to be apostolic. If we're going to serve anyone, people are going to hurt our feelings. I know Here's. People's feelings. People are gonna hurt your feelings. If you live long enough, if you've done anything, people are gonna hurt you. They're gonna like what you've done. They're gonna point out all the mistakes you make. They're gonna complain that why didn't you do this instead of that? there, not, nothing is gonna be good enough for anyone. I mean, for everyone. They're gonna, they're gonna hurt your feelings because this is the big revelation. You ready? No one cares what a servant thinks. Right? Think of all these I don't have servants. But you don't ask them their opinion. You just tell them what to do. No one cares. They step all over them. They don't care. When you're serving someone, generally they they may not care what you think. And they're going to hurt your feelings. And they're going to upset you. In order to serve with humility, we've got to take ourselves out of the equation because it's going to happen. People are going to hurt us. And if we take it all personally, we're never going to get anywhere. The devil wants to get us all offended about something. We get all hung up on something, so we're focusing on that person or we're you know, distracted by all that instead of what we're called to do. We've got to take ourselves out of the equation. James says we have to humble ourselves Ourselves, It's not something that comes naturally. He says James 4 and 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he's going to lift you up. Some people, no. Anyways, um, some people think it's their duty to humble others. <laughs> I'm going to keep you humble, brother. Got a big head. <laughs> I don't need your help. Let <laughs> me humble. You don't need to humble me. That's not meekness on your part. You don't need to try to produce humility in someone else. The Bible tells us to produce it in ourselves. <laughs> we can't be constantly getting offended and being apostolic. Oh. I don't know. Did you tell the story or not? I don't have to read it down. We, uh, people just say things, not you guys, you guys are all fine, but I ran into a lady and she wanted some help I wanted me to, um, wanted to know if I could buy a meal for her, so I said, like, oh, know, okay, I will, we'll do it. Um, she caught me off guard, I was in the parking lot trying to get into the, the van to go home, I was looking for, I think medicine for one of the kids. But my mind was elsewhere, she stopped me and was like, hey, can I ask her a favor? I'm like, okay, I guess, I don't, all right. I don't know what's coming. Anyway, she said, she gave me this big story about car being broken down several towns over and she had a walk and raining and cold and left her wallet and didn't have any money, wanted some food and whatever. I said, okay, I want to go to Tim Hortons. So we went and bought her something. I'm just trying to talk. Um, if you've talked to me at all, you know that small talk is not something I'm great at. And so there she's I'm you know, just trying to talk to her. And somehow it comes out that I'm a pastor or a preacher. And she asks what church, and I told her. And she said, Well that's weird. Pentecostals are always outgoing. It's like, cool. Here I am trying my best trying to help you, trying to be as friendly as I can, and you gotta tell me that I'm not good enough. (laughs) I'm doing my best (laughs) here. This is not my comfort zone. I was like, you know what, I should just go. (laughs) Get your own food. (laughs) But I didn't. Anyway, and then she just got all weird after that and was like, okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> alright I'll just leave I tried I was Like people just say things they don't and here I am like this is not something I'm good at like you should know that by now I'm not I try but it's not something that comes naturally here I am putting myself out here trying to do this and she's like you know what you're not a... <laughs> you're not like the rest of them thank you no, so it hurt my feelings a little bit. But we carried on. We made it through. Some people think that's, you know, that's their duty. See, people don't care when you're trying to help. Anyways, I got more stories and so I can just keep them to myself. But, um, we need to warm my hat here. We need to be humble. We can't be consistently or constantly getting offended and be apostolic. There's things we gotta let go. People are gonna say things, people are gonna take things the wrong way, and they're gonna um, <laughs> say you're not like the rest of them or something. Um, and we, we can get offended, but offense can also be a form of pride because our feelings become more important than anything else. And in that moment, I had to decide, you know, am I gonna be offended or am I gonna continue to try to... You know, be a witness to this lady as best as I can, which apparently wasn't as good as someone else's may have been, but I tried. Like, am I going to continue to do this or am I just going to, you know what, forget it and walk out? I had to make a choice there. Am I going to be offended or not? And um, kind of just let it go for that and kind of continued on. But, you know, offense can look, pride can often look like offense because we just take everything and just. It becomes about us and our wants and our desires are more important. Things don't go our way and we get offended because our way's better. And it, it can look like that. Pride doesn't always look the same. Every once in a while you come across someone who's really got this humility and, and meekness down. And nothing seems to bother them. I've got you know people in my life that I know, ministers and missionaries and stuff, and nothing seems to bother them. They just kind of go with whatever. They don't care. They're not offended, they're not upset because things don't go their way. They just roll with it and people attack them, people say whatever, and they just kind of water off the duck's back or whatever. It just kind of flows off them and they've got it down. Nothing really seems to bother them, nothing seems to shake them, nothing seems to rattle them. And you can see God doing incredible things to their lives because they're not getting hung up on all this stuff. It's because they've had all that pride removed. And when we allow God to take all that pride out of us, that's when He can truly work. Like John the Baptist said, He must increase and I must decrease. There's got to be less of me and more of Him. When Jesus was teaching a Sermon on the Mount, He began with this little beauty. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We you know poor means to be destitute or Um, You don't not have anything. To realize you don't have anything. Spirit is used here to refer to the rational spirit, the power by which a human being feels, thinks, wills, and decides. So to be poor in spirit means to be poor in those areas. And our feelings, (laughs) thoughts, wills, desires, decisions. To be poor in those areas means I do not have anything there. I've given those up. And what does that look like? That's humility. To be poor in spirit means to be humble, to let go of all the things that I have. To realize I don't have that much to give, I don't have much to offer the king. My ideas, my thoughts, my feelings, my will, my decision may not be the best, so I'm gonna give them up and I'm gonna let him do whatever it is that he wants to do in me. It's the opposite of pride. Warren Wearsby says to be poor in spirit means to be humble, to have a correct estimate of oneself. It does not mean to be poor spirited and to have no backbone at all. Poor in spirit is the opposite of the world's attitudes of self praise and self assertion. It is not false humility that says I'm not worth anything, I can't do anything. It is honesty with ourselves. We know ourselves, accept ourselves, and try to be ourselves to the glory. Of God, it's just allowing God to work through us. I know that I'm not the most outgoing person in the world. I know I'm not good at certain things, but I still allow God to try to work through me as best as He can. And sometimes, you know, it might not be as smooth as some others. But that's what I am. That's who I am, and that's God's you know, gonna have to work on me a little more, maybe. I don't know, but that's that's part of it. Except this is who I am. And God, you got to use this. This is all I've got. you got to use this somehow. Somehow make an impact. I don't know. Paul tells us we should have that sort of thinking. Um, he says in Romans 12 and 3, For I say, though, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Is don't think more highly of yourself than you should you need to bring that thinking down a bit you're you're not that big a deal i don't know if everybody came to hear that you're not that big a deal some folks think everything revolves around them the world the sun <laughs> their country the church their family whatever and we got to tiptoe around them because you never know what's going to set them off everything is my way or the highway and i'm the only one that knows how to do anything i'm the only one with any sense The rest of you are dummies. Nobody like that here. Some of them, you have some of them in your house, I'm sure. But everything is my way or the highway. (laughs) If only everyone could be more like me, things would be so much better. If everyone just thought the way I thought, this country would be fixed. I love it. All these people have never led anything in their life, not to lead a country or a church, or a business, or whatever. We all know how to do everything better than... Everyone knows how to do your job better than you. That's one thing I've learned. And <laughs> that's our thinking. We need to take it back and up. Well, is this all right? Everybody got real quiet and awkward. That's fine. That's where I live. Welcome to my world. But we're not called to be like anyone else we're called to be like Jesus and the Bible says that he humbled himself in Philippians chapter 2 has anybody ever been poor? (sighs) do we know what it means to be rich or to poor? when you are poor when your posture towards buying something is you can't I like to look at things that I can't afford I don't know why Make myself miserable, but when you don't have money, you can't buy things, you're broke, you have nothing to offer. Now, when we make that spiritual, when it comes to the spiritual matters, if you recognize that you have nothing to offer, Jesus makes a pronouncement over you. He says, You're blessed, this is where I need you to be. I don't need you to have all this stuff, I just need you so I can work through you. I've got everything that you need. I need you to realize that this isn't about you, this is about me working through you if you're in that place you are blessed he says you are part of the kingdom you are blessed there is no place in the kingdom for pride the idea of being poor in spirit has little to do with money to be poor in spirit means to be humble recognizing our dependence upon god to meet our needs submitting our wills to his will we can compare that way of living and thinking to a church in the book of revelation as quite the opposite Uh, we'll get through this we're getting there Revelation three fourteen to 17, it says, And, the angel, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things, saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor cold. I'm oh, sorry, I got it backwards. Neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. We know that verse. Yeah. And so then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. It's a great visual. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. The church of Laodicea's fault, we often like to say, is that they were lukewarm. But where did that lukewarmness come from? It comes from their attitude. They didn't need God anymore. They were rich, they said. We have no needs. They had all the stuff they could want. They had relaxed, and so they let down their guard because they got comfortable with all the things that they had. And I will say this, that one of the benefits of being poor is you rely on God a whole lot more for the day-to-day stuff. And as a result, your relationship with Him becomes quite strong. Laodicea's problem is they thought they were rich, and they thought they had it all together, and they thought they had it figured out, when in fact they did. And the result of them thinking this way, they disgusted God and he said I will spew you out of my mouth that doesn't sound like someone who's got the kingdom of God actually because of this you read in verse 20 it says behold I stand at the door and knock if any man will hear my voice open the door I will come to him and will sup with him and he with me because of their richness and their attitude if you allow me to word it this way their lack of being poor in spirit we find Jesus is on the outside He's knocking on the door. He's been removed because of their attitude. When we live lukewarm, we live with that attitude that I've got it all, I don't need anything, everything becomes about me. Before long, Jesus is on the outside knocking to get back in. Humility, again, is the opposite of that. What we shouldn't be like is you know, basing everything on me. My feelings, my thoughts, my wills, my desires, my decisions. Make it all about me. And again, is pride. So back to Paul. He said, I serve the Lord with all humility of mind. This is a mindset. This is a, a decision that we need to make. Because naturally, whether we want to admit it or not, we tend toward pride or selfishness. However it manifests itself in our lives. We tend towards that. It's something that we need to work on. Ourselves, But if we're going to truly be apostolic, this is something that needs to be evidenced in our lives. Humility. We can't demand, be demanding everything goes our way or everyone serves us or do, does whatever we want. The apostolic way is in Ephesians 5 and 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That is humility. It takes humility to say, you know what? Maybe we should do what you want, you know what maybe your your way's better than mine, you know maybe, maybe I'm not right. Maybe my way's not the best way maybe Maybe I can let up here and allow you to have more say maybe we can work together. that takes humility to do that. Have you ever worked with someone that just everything's got to be their way that's the most frustrating thing in the world, especially when they're wrong because I'm right. It takes humility to say, you know what? What do you think? It takes humility to work together. It takes humility to have unity. Submission one to another. That's how unity happens. We submit to each other and we submit to Jesus and let him lead us. I don't know what you're going to play, but I get the hardest... It takes humility to say, you know what, this maybe just, I'll listen to you. And Paul says in Romans 12 and 3 for I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think highly more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. We've already read that. But he says through the grace given unto me. Through the grace that I have received, I can say that no one should think more highly of himself than he should, and we should think soberly or seriously. It's through grace that Paul was able to say that. We're saved by grace. Through faith, his grace is enough. You know, the Bible tells us all this stuff. James 4 and 6 says he gives grace to the humble. This revelation, this knowledge, that I shouldn't think more highly of myself than I ought to, it only comes by grace. It comes by God pouring His unmerited favor out on us. The closer I get to Him, the more I seek Him, the, the more time I spend in His presence, the less of me, I think, takes His grace working in my life to get to this place. If we want to live an apostolically humble life, it's only going to come through the grace of God. It's the only way. We need to let Him work in our lives. We've got we to gotta work up. we are going to let Him work. It's the only way because naturally we are the opposite. It's only going to come from drawing closer and closer to Him and letting more and more of me go. Letting Him increase and me decrease. Why? Because my flesh says that I am the most important. I am the most valuable. It's all about me, but grace says, no, you need to draw closer to God. You need to be more like Him. And again, it's a mindset. Philippians chapter 2 says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. It starts here. If Jesus could humble himself, the God of all glory, the God of all creation, and make himself of no reputation, surely I can. Let this mind be in you that was also in Jesus. He became a servant. Who am I to think that I'm any better than Jesus? Let his mind be in us. If you want to be apostolic, you want to have the mind of Christ, this is it. It's to serve. It's to be humble. It's to lower ourselves. And maybe that's an issue we need to address. Maybe you got it all down. Come back next week. We'll hit something else. But maybe, maybe it's something we're struggling with. Maybe we're struggling with pride. Maybe our prayers aren't being answered and things aren't opening for us that we like because we've got pride in our hearts. God's not going to let us go until we get this other stuff straightened out. His word says that he does not forget the cry of the humble. He hears the cry of a humble heart. And maybe that's why the early church saw such miracles and signs and wonders, because they were humble. They had humility. Maybe that's why our brothers and sisters in other countries experience things that we don't. Maybe we've got a little bit too much of the laodicean attitude. Maybe we need to humble ourselves a little bit more. Maybe it's something as simple as a pride in our hearts, thinking we've got it all figured out. If we do this and that, then if the church goes like this, then God's gonna move. We sing this song or preach that or read this or do that, or someone does whatever. That's not how it works. We think sometimes we can think of it all figured out. and it becomes about us and our routine and all that stuff. We're not letting God work. Maybe we just need to let go of some things and rid our hearts of pride. To be apostolic is to be humble, to have humility, and to serve so i'm done to be here long enough he's gonna invite us uh, to take some time this morning and pray i don't need some big and serious lately next week's not gonna be any better so i don't know but i think it'd be good if we could examine our hearts this morning if there's any pride in there we need to surrender it to him. And sometimes like we said, it, it doesn't look like we think. Sometimes we're holding ourselves back with, with pride. We won't step out, we won't do it because whatever that's not me or I'm not comfortable or I don't want to look dumb or I don't want them to I don't want anyone to think this about me. Brother, do anyway? Just do it. Well, anyway, let's just, we're going to open the altar. If you want to come, let's just make our, sure our hearts are right with Him. Make sure there's no pride. Jesus, if there's anything in me, any sort of pride in me, I need you to show me so I can get rid of this. I want to be humble. I want to serve with all humility of mind. I want to be apostolic. I want you to be able to work through me. Move and minister and touch and do all the things you want to do, but I need to be able to serve with humility of mind. So let's find a place this morning. Let's pray. Um, I say pray with somebody, but maybe they'll think that you think that. (laughs) I don't know. Let's just pray together today. Is over, going to come and pray with you. Let's make sure that our hearts are right with God. I want to see Him work. I want to see Him move through this church, through us. But He's not going to be able to do it if there's any pride. We can only serve with humility.